me tonight. I am really excited to hear what Kevin, Kevin? Yes, <laughs> what Kevin has to say and give us a little uh, few little hints about how uh, what direction maybe that we can go as a church or as individuals. Uh, the green team, I think, uh, from the things I've, I've been with with the Creation Care Alliance, we could learn a lot from what they're doing and the things that they're offering. Uh, so I hope there's a little partnership. I'd love to have a little partnership with them to give us a little impetus, something to, to go with. Um, but anyway, thank you for coming. And thank you guys for coming. Uh, this is Reverend Kevin Bates. I should have introduced you. I did Karen and Mary. Um, and I've asked Wanting to say a little opening prayer for uh, all the blessings that we have and for uh, hopes of helping take care of this wonderful world we live in. She's given our prayer already. Would you say amen? Yeah. <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do give thanks for this beautiful world that you've given us. Help us to be responsible. Help us to be responsible and and respond to the to all the things that we need to do to keep this world in in love and in, to keep it in, in a way that you would have us to keep it. We give thanks for all those who love the world and reach out to try to keep it in, in a beautiful kind of way. We give thanks for those who've come tonight to share their their love for the world. Be with us and guide us in all that we do. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Alright. Well, you've heard enough about me already, but one thing I will say is that uh, I am on, here on behalf of the Creation Care Alliance of Western North Carolina and uh, my own church, Piney Mountain, uh, because we are a covenant partner uh, with the Creation Care Alliance. Uh, if you don't know anything about the, how, how many of you have heard of the Creation Care Alliance? Alright, so a lot of us actually have some idea. It's a program of Mountain True, and it seeks to bring together faith communities to be a voice for God's creation and for the least among us who are affected the most by what's happening to our climate, this climate change that we're experiencing. Uh, I am here because I'm a part of that, but also because I've had uh, what can only amount to a conversion experience. Uh, I have been confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, where the word of God confronted me and said, um, you, you're not reading the Bible. Um, your, your views of the world are not biblical. And I began to be confronted by this and confronted by this idea that really the least among us were suffering most from the damage we were doing to the earth. Uh, and this brought me along this experience to the place I am today. But one of the neat stories uh, that brought me specifically here uh, is that, uh, was it 10 years ago now at Owen? So ten, about 10 years ago at Owen High School, my wife Mary and Keith's son's son Ben formed a green team at Owen High School. Uh, that influenced me a couple years later when I began to talk to my wife and be like, I'm a Christian, but I don't understand this creation care stuff and whatever. But she kept at me on it. And that influence eventually brought me to the place I am today which now has brought me here to this church talking into Keith's church. So it's, it's amazing how this, this happens. It, it's really a, a signal of our interconnectedness that we have together. And so I want to do a little game kind of up front. Oh, everyone goes, uh-oh. Right. So let's all say uh-oh together. Uh-oh. Uh, we're going to do a little game that we're, we're going to experiment. There's a lot of us in this room, so it might be a little difficult. But 
Uh, it's a game to help us see how interconnected we are. What I'd like us to do is, Mary, will you step there and Karen? I want you to pick two people in this room, and you're going to find them. So I'm not going to say who I picked, but you all know I've picked Mary and Karen. I'm going to form an, an equal or equidistant triangle with them. So you just stand wherever. Okay, so that's where they're standing, so I need to stand right about here. And now I've formed a triangle with them. We're going to do that all across the room. So just say, uh, Keith, will you join us here? Okay? You, you chose Mary and me to be, make a triangle with. So now you got to make a triangle. Uh, you don't move. You, you move, i got to move now. i gotta, I got to shift. So we're all constantly shifting until we've all made triangles with one another. So you just pick two random people in the room. You don't have to tell them. And go ahead and form triangles with them. And it's going to be difficult because you're going to be shifting constantly. So you can pick anybody in the room and you're forming triangles with them. They're not connected, but you don't tell who you're picking a triangle with. Oh man, we're all y'all Yeah, just make your so, so you all picked each other. That's one way to do this. There's another way to do this. So don't tell who you're picking. Don't go, I'm choosing you three, let's make a triangle. Just go ahead and choose two people in your head. So you all formed different triangles. Why don't you pick two new people? I'll pick two new people. And you pick two new people. And you pick two new people. You all do the same. Pick two new people and form yourself into those triangles. <laughs> but don't, don't tell them. Don't tell who you're making a triangle with. I, I just want to keep you together. I just want to keep you together. Don't tell them you're real tired. He's my triangle. You're not supposed to tell them. You're all do the same. He's my triangle. Pick two people in your head. Two people in your head. Don't tell them who you're You're with me. You're with me? Or you're with me? Yeah. Us three. Sound good? I have no idea. Hopefully, we don't know each other, so therefore. Just say triangle with two people. The two people you're talking with are not thinking about you, is there? Sorry, David. I'm sorry I just took over. Y'all pick two new people, but don't tell them who you're making a triangle with. It will affect your triangle. And wait a minute, you don't tell the people that you're. As they move, so you just walk up and. That doesn't make sense. You're not picking people. So I'm going to move you out to here. You pick two new people. Don't tell who you're picking. Give me anywhere in this room. You're just looking across the room. So to give you an idea, to write in this moment, I'm trying to make a triangle with Karen and Mary, but I haven't told them that. So I'm going to keep moving every time they shift it. You see what I'm doing? Oh. So you're picking two random people, and you're trying to form a triangle. So it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to see who you're making a triangle. Two random people. Random. See now that's Now we're getting it.
So we're eventually, we've made it into triangles, all right? Are we in triangles? Are we all in triangles? I've been in at least one triangle where you turn around here in two triangles. Oh, oh, oh boy. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You lost your triangle? Did you find your people again? Where they were at? Where did they shift to? <laughs> so you found your one. Where's your other one? Alright, form the form. You got to form triangle then. So Between these two. An equal distant triangle. I mean, there's two people you chose. Alright. We've kind of got triangles here. Have you noticed what's happened every time one person moves? Everyone ends up moving, right? If we're, if we're doing this right, every time Mary moves somewhere else, and I've got to shift. And if I shift, if anyone has chosen me, they're going to have to shift too. And if anyone chose that person, they're going to have to shift. And we constantly see this interconnected changing. Now, if I were to take one person out, um, how many people uh, chose, chose Keith? Now, if I were just to move Keith, go over here into the corner. <laughs> it's the only time I'm ever going to get to say that to another pastor. <laughs> now, if I move him, what's going to happen? For those who chose, who chose him, shift. Well, they shifted, so I'm going to have to shift again here. And All I did was shift one person, and look how much it changed every single one of us and the movement. I want us to think about that for a moment. You could say that this is a game about structures and about our interconnectedness. You could say it's a, it's a game about our ecology or our ecosystems and how they're all interconnected. So if you have one animal that is taken out of an ecosystem, it can affect all the rest. Or you could say this is a game about how we are connected to one another. The things that you do in your life will affect other people and vice versa. You could also say it's a game about our connectedness between humans and God, between humans and one another, or humans and the earth. And when one of those things shifts and moves out of balance, all the rest go out of balance too. So we're going to come circle back to that, but I wanted us to move around and try this out for a little bit. Let's go ahead and go back to our seats. <laughs> If you didn't get the point of the game, that's okay. We'll circle back to it. We're trying to go back to it. I, I was going to say, we did. So one of the things that we have recognized in the Creation Care Alliance, and that I've recognized in my time in trying to, to understand this complex issue of climate change and our relationship between humans and one another, and humans and God, and humans to the planet, what I've begun to realize is how connected we are and how important those connections are. And one of the things that we've come across, I, I think, in the, in the last few years especially, and myself included, 
I've recognized how disconnected I am to people, and especially to the land, especially to the creation, to the earth. Uh, and I've recognized that when that's disconnected, all these other relationships begin to fall apart. So I want to spend a little bit of time reconnecting for a moment, having all of us reconnect to, to the creation and to the creator. And I want to do that by sharing a story, and then I'm going to have you all share stories in groups too, uh, about a time that, where we sensed God in the creation, or where we saw God in, among, in nature, or the sacred in nature, we could call it like that. Well, uh, last year I was on a pilgrimage to El Camino de Santiago, uh, and it's a very holy pilgrimage that people have been going on for thousands of years. Uh, to, the, to the grave of St. James, the Apostle. Uh, and uh, on this pilgrimage, it was beautiful. I mean, it was wonderful. I, I felt this connection to the people I was with on the pilgrimage. I felt closer to God throughout the pilgrimage. But it was on the trip back home that I think I experienced God the most. See, so, yeah, on the way back, the rest of my group just flew straight from Spain to Charlotte back home. Uh, I went a long way back home. I decided that it would be fun to do a one-day trip to Iceland on the way back, because that's one of Mary and my favorite places to go. Uh, so I, I made my way to Iceland, and I had one thing in mind. I wanted to see the waterfall called Hyfoss. It just means tall waterfall uh, in Iceland. <coughs> I remember driving for several hours to get to this waterfall and, and pulling out of the car and stepping out. And as soon as I stepped out of the car, I began to hear it the thunderous roar of a 400-foot-tall waterfall, hundreds of thousands of gallons being poured out. I remember as I began to hear it, my heart started racing, and as you come to the edge of the cliff, suddenly you stop at the edge of the cliff and you can look down about 500 feet straight off this cliff, but on the other side of the cliff is this beautiful, majestic waterfall. I remember seeing the rainbows cascading off the waterfall. That's just one. There was three at different points that were moving and dancing along the base of the waterfall. I remember feeling the, the cool water on my face. I, I, I remember sensing just majesty and beauty. And all of a sudden, as I saw it, words just left me. Thoughts were gone. I only had one thought. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how into the throne room of God, and I had to respond. Creation was worshiping the creator, and I had to just join. <laughs> that was the most sacred moment of my entire journey and pilgrimage on El Camino. It wasn't even on El Camino. <laughs> it was on the trip home. Now, I bet you all have those moments where you have connected 
and seeing God in nature. And I want you to think about that just for a moment. Think about that in, in your mind. Think about a time or a place where you've seen God in nature, when you've sensed the spirit of God, or you felt mystery or awe or closeness with the Creator. I want you to just break into groups of three or four and just share those stories of where you've seen God in nature. Think about what you saw, what you heard, what you felt, what you touched, maybe what you tasted. And so I want you to just find three or four people and just share those stories. We'll have about seven or eight minutes to share stories together. So, uh, but I really do want people to have that opportunity to share together. So let's do that. I had that same feeling, seeing the great food there, like, oh, I want to hear you. I was sharing my Grand Canyon experience. <laughs> Similar feeling. Like I've had lots of, I mean, that's kind of, I have those all, I don't want to say all the time, but we hike a lot together. Well, I guess all of our family, but he really likes hiking. So we, so it's both the relational piece of us, because that's where I think he would find it more outdoors than in the church. So for him, we get out and hike, and we've done. Uh, last summer, we did as many of the Great Smokies as we could, because we tended to do like the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and every, all these places outside. So let's just do the Great Smoky Mountain right here. So we picked, you know, Mount Lacan, we picked Cameron, we did all these hikes, and when we would get to the top, it was just, you know, priceless kind of views like that. Just kind of, so I mean, I could go into a lot of that. But in general, it was also doing that with, with somebody. Then in South Georgia, we have a place called Little Grand Canyon. Out from London, it's called Providence Canyon. And our Sunday school class used to go down there about once a month after church and hike through those, and I was amazed. I never stood much at all. But it was amazing to see all the different things. It's never like a different way. So the first time I ever really was in all of the creation was that same youth movement. Up there, he started singing Kumbaya, and all of a sudden, I really felt that he was conversation. Basically, enough. <laughs> 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 But isn't it amazing how you can literally bring
bring that feeling back up. But it was a relationship in the youth group, the singer, and the beauty of nature, the sun going down, seeing the river, the trees. Totally conflicting uh, images. Uh, one is to be in a grove of sequoias out in Northern California off the coast of Jeff Dynamite Preserve there, and to be in the presence of these enormous trees that have been there. 1,500 years, and you have a sense of the impatient growth of these enormous trees. And the other thing that gets me is the hummingbird, which we have, and I know I have just sat there and watched the hummingbird and said, Yes. I know I can read all of it. Yeah, they can tell me that. How could that possibly exist? Exactly. <laughs> so it's sort of like the two ends of the spectrum um, uh, to have the patient, huge growth, and then a bit of light, practically. Oh, that is interesting, though. Because when he mentioned, the, you know, in our interconnectedness, you take one piece out, um, once again, you know, and I, I think a lot about the, the animals and the, the elements, once again, constant pressure, you know, the with animals and, and, and it's looking at there, there's times where I've even been like a zoo where you see chimpanzees or bonobos that are so that those are closest to cousins basically that most people don't even know about. I mean, have you ever heard of bonobos? It's kind of it's, it's amazing. They're actually closer, almost closer to us than chimpanzees. Kind of pretty similar in there in nature. They're only found in the Congo. And when you look in their faces, and he just was at a zoo where he saw me sent me some, some uh, videos. I mean, it is, you look into their eyes, and it is, it's real, it's relational. And so those are those pieces when I think of creation. I mean, he said all, and that's just as to think that you can look in the eyes that look, that look human, like you, that they are really seeing into your soul kind of thing. So I think, you know, I'm glad you brought up kind of the animal species and the bird species, because that puts me just as in awe as like most people think of creation is. Some of you are fascinated by the Hubble telescope pictures. And, and you know, you just say, okay, it's a hundred million light years. And let's see, I mean, you just realize. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's Test our imagination. We can't. We so I want to begin to draw us back. And I want to know, what did you hear as you listened? What were some of the things you all were hearing? Oh. Awe. Awesome. Awesome. Restoration. Restoration. What was that of here? Wonder. Wonder. Knowing it was from God. Yeah. 
God. Gift. Gift. Power. Power. Unimaginable. Unimaginable. Great variety from tremendous things to teeny tiny things. Yeah. I imagine as we were talking and I kind of got a chance just for a brief second to stand back up here and hear a little bit, but it, I heard variety and that was beautiful. That really was. What did you notice? like in your group during this time, as you told the stories, what did you notice about yourself? Or what did you notice about those who were seated around you? Did you notice anything? Understanding what they were talking about. Yeah. And appreciating you know, what they were talking about because I had experienced something similar myself. Yeah, so appreciation and, um, yeah, something that you had experienced too. I want to say amen. Amen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there was almost this, uh, it was almost like a call and response. I, 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 in our group, we were talking about some raspberries, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I mean, some good raspberries. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to walk through a raspberry patch, but I know what it's like to walk through and, and pick up the sugar snap peas from my garden and eat them straight from the garden. I know what it's like, right? So what else did you notice about yourself or others during this time? It placed me back to when what I was talking about. I went from being here to being back when it was, when that happened. Yeah. I think you get those feelings back again. That's what I was thinking about too, just what Beth said. That As you talk about it and as you listen to what everybody else was saying, you, you feel again that same sense of oh my goodness, you know, that, that you had at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it, I mean, it's almost easy to practice, you know, to have that feeling it like I had a hard time even picking even remotely just picking one place like that I mean it's 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 nice to feel that you can be in awe like that when you walk out your door and see a hummingbird or you can walk out the door and and, and walk in that garden I mean it, it's like practicing the presence of God all the time yeah. by just opening your eyes to that so absolutely I felt a sense of community with the group yeah Something developed, right? In that short amount of time, even with people you might not know or you might not know all of their life stories, or but something was connecting us. Yeah. What were some of those things that were connecting us? We talked about these words of wonder and awe. Mystery, community. Well, finitude. Yeah. In the midst of uh, the universe. Yeah. Or, or this one. Yeah, we can feel we can feel very small, right? Um, absolutely. What What do you notice about this right now and here, all of us together now? How How do you feel? Connected. Connected. With one another, or. With definitely one another, but yeah, outside because. The sacred, yeah, the universe. This one. This one. <laughs> Bill's on another one, so. <laughs> they they wonder about me. That's okay. Yesterday in West Asheville, some guy came up to me and still Mary and I were sitting at a coffee shop. And he says, "Oh, you're talking about the Bible? Did you know that I'm from a different timeline?" Oh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was, okay. <laughs> He's like, and so are you." I'm like, okay. He promised you wouldn't tell. Right, I know. <laughs> no. 
But yeah, there's something that's, that's connecting, right? And this connection that we're feeling is, is for between one another. It's between us and the earth, us and the creation, and between us and God. And I hope in this moment we sense the holiness of what, it, what just happened here in telling these stories. Because what we've done is we've told stories about God, right? Told stories about how we are connected. And from the beginning in the Bible, there's this story of interconnection. I mean, I'm sure some of you who are part of the green team and who have heard, the, or heard people preach about this, you've understood how interconnected we are. The entire Bible can be read about a story about our connection between humans and God, humans and one another, and humans and the land. From the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2, you have the story of God putting God's hands in dirt and soil and land, breathing into it. I, I like the image of kissing it and bringing life. From the Adama, from the soil, comes Adam, Adam, the first human being. It was almost as if God was saying, you are so connected with everything else. It's no wonder then like we share like 99.8% of our DNA with a chimpanzee. I mean, it's like 80% of our DNA with a dog. 60% of our DNA with a fruit fly. I mean, in Genesis, it literally tells us that we are made of the same stuff as the rest of creation, right? Our very first image is this of God working in this garden, tending and keeping. The entire Bible, like I said, can be read from this connection. But the truth is, also the Bible can be read from this direction of when that connection breaks, right? When the relationship between God and humans gets broken because of human sin. The Bible can be read from this connection of when the relationship between humans get broken, right? You don't have to go very far in Genesis, right, to, to talk about the breakdown between humans and God, the breakdown between humans and one another. We start killing ourselves right away. And then you don't have to read very far between before people are starting to get kicked out and moved out of the land and creation they were a part of. You don't even have to get out of Eden to get all of that. <laughs> That's how interconnected we are. So this, this whole thing, that part of what we begin to understand is that we are connected to God, to one another, to the land. But yet, when we look around us right now, we can see the brokenness, right? I mean, I hope we can. I hope that we, we've been able to see the brokenness. Now, I just want to take a moment and just name some of that brokenness. Now, in a word or a phrase, let's just say some of these things, some of these uh, places we've experienced brokenness. And, and it might be with, between us and God, between us and one another. It might be even between us and creation. So just a word or a phrase. Just lift them up. War. War. Pollution. Pollution. There's only two things. <laughs> Starvation. Starvation. It's a breakdown in relationship. What else? Polarization. Polarization. The way that we are... We are, see ourselves in different camps and never the, never the two shall meet, right? What else? What else is the brokenness? Extinction. Extinction. We have, we live in an age of mass extinction 
and I, I'm, I'm going to forget the scientific name. You, you know it, but they basically blame humans. <laughs> it's the Anthropocene. Anthropocene. Yeah. I mean, they've literally called this extinction period the ones that humans have caused. <laughs> hey, there's brokenness there. What else? Growth. What was that? Growth. Say more. Well, a growth, uh, just like cancer, is a, a growth of natural organism, but out of proportion to the whole. So our addiction to growth as an economic oh, reality yeah. is out of proportion to the sustainability of the earth. And uh, we live in a growth economy that requires us to consume the earth in order to keep it all going. Yeah, overconsumption, right? I mean, we, I think it takes five to six planet Earths to sustain the average Americans the way we live. Greed. Greed. Dominion as in dominance rather than Absolutely. stewardship. Absolutely. All of these things that you are naming, and we could go on, we could start talking about opioids, we could start talking uh, about racism, we could stop talk, start talking about mass incarceration. I mean, we can start talking about all these different ways that, that things have broken down. But the one that obviously a lot of us are here is, is, is climate change, right? Climate change is a symptom that something is wrong. That, and it's not just that, that the earth is hurting, but what it's a symptom of is that the relationship has been broken. The relationship between humans and the rest of creation, we have messed it up. We have thrown it out of balance. And if we throw that one out of balance, think about that triangle game. All the rest go out of balance too. If my relationship with the, with the creatures of this earth is bad, if I exploit creatures, guess what? You're probably going to also exploit humans. And even if you don't see that, you are because of the way we're interconnected. And if you exploit humans, what does that say about your relationship with God? Right? Probably not very good. I tell my congregation, and I've said to a lot of people, we have this God-given responsibility to care for the earth, to be good stewards of it. And from the very beginning in Genesis, we get this understanding that the world is created good, and that it has value in and of itself. You know, it's not just, the earth wasn't just given out there like some giant supermarket for us to pick and choose what we want. That's why I really hate the term natural resources. We use that even in our United Methodist discipline and our social principles. We're like, oh, we need to use these natural resources rightly. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be considered just a resource, right? Instead, God from the beginning says, all of this is a gift. And I loved in our group as we were talking about that. When we received, when we saw these, the, the, these different places in creation and experienced it, it was experienced as a gift. You know, the earth doesn't get its value. Creatures don't get their value. Animals, trees, bees, flowers, food. It doesn't get its, va its value just in the way that you as a human uses it. But instead, all these things have value because God made them. Uh, Dr. Norman Wiersbe uh, at Duke Divinity School, he says that all of creation is what it looks like for God's love to be made tangible and for God's love to be made visible. You know, if, if, you, if, you ever say, if you ever said to yourself, I wonder what God's love looks like. Well, have you ever like stared at a sunrise? <laughs> <laughs> if you ever said, I wonder what God's love feels 
like? Have you ever walked in the rain and felt a gentle rain just washing away the cares of the day? Do you ever ask yourself, I, I wonder uh, what God's love smells like? I don't know if anyone's ever wondered that but me. <laughs> but maybe it smells something like walking through a, a fir tree forest. All of these things, everything we see around us is God's love made visible and tangible and tasty. What does God's love taste like? <laughs> Maybe like biting into a navel orange. It's very sweet and juicy. A strawberry. A strawberry. <laughs> I, I had an orange recently, and so that's on my mind. But, but all of this, it shows how humans, we're, we're interconnected with creation, but we also have this unique calling within the, the creation, right? We're called to be good stewards of it, to take care of it. God has said that you are both soil and divine breath. And so we have this unique place within creation to care for and to see creation thrive. Not to manage creation or to exploit it, but to see it thrive. I mean, how many of us look at our children and say, well, let me just like manage them or use them as a natural resource? No, we want them to thrive, right? Because they're good in and of themselves, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the way we treat things, you can imagine. Anyways, but we know that as sin enters into our life, that these relationships begin to break down. Sin severs relationships. It breaks up community. It breaks up our connection with God. It breaks our connection with one another. And it breaks our, creation, our connection with the creation. But the good news, of course, in the scriptures is that God is reconciling these things, right? That in Christ, God is reconciling all creation. I used to read that as being like, well, God is just reconciling, like, uh, me to God. I only used to read that as a vertical relationship. You know, Jesus died for me, and then therefore, things are good with me and God now, right? But then I began to think about things like racism. And began to recognize that part of reconciliation was God bringing people back together. What Christ had done was, was reconciling people with one another. And then I began to see it also meant, when God said reconciling the cosmos, God meant the cosmos. God meant all creation. That all of these relationships were being put back together rightly. And that we were invited to now participate in this. That's part of what it says. We are invited to be ministers of this reconciliation, to, to come alongside God and to be part of the healing of these relationships. But of course, there's like challenges to reconciliation, right? It's not something easy. If it, if it were easy, we'd figure have, we would have already figured out things like racism and opioid epidemic and climate change. We'd have, we'd have it all figured out by now. But they're challenges. So what I want to do is just spend a couple moments. We've probably got like 25 people in here. So if you break into five to six people groups, I want you to go to each of these little, there's a piece of paper around each one of these things. One up here, there, one in the back, on the white table up there. And just go ahead and break into groups of five or six around those tables, and then I'll give you instructions. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll 
I forgot my crayons. So what I want you to do, you all have the words that, that are on your pieces of paper now. You've all written them down, right? All right. I want you to think about the challenges to dealing with whatever issue I told you to write down on your piece of paper. So if you're thinking about um, the challenge of poverty, you might say, well, one of the challenges has to do with education. There's educational differences in this or you might say it might have something to do with the fact of our political system. Whatever you see, the challenges to dealing with these issues, write just a few of those words down on, your, on that piece of paper. So climate change, write down what you see as a challenge to dealing with climate change. So just write a few of these words down. As a group. Yeah, as a group, write these down. about some of the solutions to some of these issues too and write those things down also or what you see as being part of the solution okay start your solutions 
This should give us some things to work with now. So I'm going to call us back together real quick. And I want us to share some of what we wrote down. So let, let's start with racism and we'll work our way around the room here. Racist. <laughs> uh, those who are talking about racism, will you tell me what are some of the challenges you see in possible solutions? So what did you all write down? Well, the solution, you want the challenges and challenges. solutions. Yeah. You said um, culture, different cultures. It's part of that. Um, hatred, lack of education, and segregation. And a lot, there's a whole lot of segregation. If you don't have a chance to get to know people, you're segregated. Then you don't, you know, go very far in getting uh, correct understanding or whatever. You, miss, you still, you have ignorance and misinformation. Okay, wonderful. What about you all with uh, poverty and wealth inequality? What were some of the challenges you all saw? Anything um, from. Healthcare to climate change, right? Connections to racism, connections to sort of consolidation of control of land and natural resources, and those things. Okay, so you said things like control of land, the use of natural resources. You said things like uh, drugs, greed, political system, political systems, drugs, greed, education. All right. What about over here for war or for no, sorry for your immigration and refugees? What do you all see as some of the challenges? Um, politics, <laughs> um, philosophy and hospitality, racism, toler intolerance of, of other religions, misunderstanding, economics, language, culture, customs, and jobs for the um, challenges, and then for the solution would be building relationships, and then compassion. What about war? What do you see some of the challenges and maybe some solutions? Limited resources, learning to see other viewpoints, failure to learn to see other viewpoints, learning, failing to share, uh, religious differences, uh, destroys persons and creation, greed, poverty, tribalism other ways to settle differences. Mm. Okay, good. What about climate change? What do you all see as some of the challenges and maybe solutions? 
Oh, it's just a myth. We don't really believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a hard time because we just didn't believe. Um, we, That's so, a challenge. So actually, the, the same, I mean, really, politics, political system, ignorance, selfishness, literal Bible interpretation, transitioning from carbon to sun, education, the American dream. Um, then in terms of solutions, would flip and say education, awareness, informed and honest voters, environmental laws, uh, market incentives, technological advances. So what you all hear? Did the, any of these, were any of these connected? Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of these were connected, weren't they? Yeah. It's almost like saying that uh, we don't have just social issues and environmental issues, but rather climate change and poverty and immigration and refugees and war and racism, they all have these different streams running through them. The challenges are all similar. The solutions, part of it starts by seeing that these are all connected, right? Yeah. But you can't just deal with one without dealing with the other. And it, it, what you begin to recognize is there is connectedness, right? These things are connected just as we are connected to one another, just as we are connected to God, just as we are connected to land. It just occurred to me yeah. that our educational system in general, particularly in the university level, is siloed education. I maybe I got the wrong information, but I read somewhere that the University of Minnesota or one of the big universities had done away with their philosophy department. All things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can hold things together? Philosophy, theology. To see the big picture, there must be philosophical thought. There must be theological reference. You can't see, you can't deal with solutions to any of these problems without the big picture. So we are a nation without a big picture. Yes. And education is leading us more rapidly in that direction. And our theologies are re leading us rapidly in that direction too. Part, one of the things that, that I've noticed the more I've been teaching and talking about climate change and issues around climate justice uh, is that we as Christians, but specifically as white evangelicals, have a hard time seeing the connectedness of our structures. We just don't see that very well because we're very focused on sort of individualism, free will. We really like talking about those sort of things. So we have a hard time seeing these structures and these connections. And so part of the challenge that we have as Christians is to, is to shift the lens a little bit. I mean, these things exist. The connections exist. Part of what we have to help do is help one another see those connections that are already there. Because if we're going to deal with these issues, and as Christians who are called to the ministry of reconciliation, you are a minister to every single one of these things, part of what we have to do is we have to learn to see again. Now, that makes things really scary, right? Because now, all of a sudden, you can't just deal with climate change by itself over here. Now you've got to deal with racism. You've got to deal with poverty and wealth inequality. You're going to have to deal with things uh, down the line of war and refugees. You're going to have to deal with famine. You're going to have to deal with food insecurity in across the world. Suddenly it becomes really a scary thing. It's like that triangle, right? 
that triangle that one thing moves and everything has to keep shifting. And that can be very intimidating. But part of what we begin to recognize is that there is no one silver bullet to caring for the earth. There is no silver bullet to ending climate change. It's more like, a, I've heard it called like a silver buckshot. <laughs> I mean, it will take multiple streams of confluence coming together. Now, the flip side of that is that one small thing can actually make a huge difference. The reverse of that triangle game was that I moved one person and the whole thing had to shift. So I want us just to, to see a video for a second. So if you come back to your seats, I want us to watch this video. behavior 
of the rivers. They began to meander less, there was less erosion, the channels narrowed, more pools formed, more riffle sections, all of which were great for wildlife habitats. The rivers changed in response to the wolves. And the reason was that the regenerating forests stabilised the banks so that they collapsed less often, so that the rivers became more fixed in their course. Similarly, by driving the deer out of some places and the vegetation recovering on the valley sides, there was a soil erosion because the vegetation stabilised that as well. So the wolves, small in number, transformed not just the ecosystem of the Yellowstone National Park, this huge area of land, but also its physical geography. are and how much it can be overwhelming for someone who's worked in this a while I get overwhelmed really easily but then I take these stories of hope how one small thing can make a difference one green club ten years ago started a whole ministry of my own these small things cascade and make a difference so what you are doing is making a difference I just want to celebrate that just for a moment. Like, what are some of the things that you all have done as a, as a green team and as a church together? What, what are some of the ways that you've responded in love to the creation? No more styrofoam. I love that. I walked in there and I was envious. I, I was so excited to see that. For 40 years, Dan Southern and a team has made this the most beautiful spot in Plainsville, this campus. Yeah. With flowers. Caring, attending. Ca caring, yes. Campus. Absolutely. I heard something about lights. What'd you all do about that? Was it? I'm asking, what'd you all do? <laughs> I heard something about lights. Go ahead, Well, I don't remember. <laughs> Um, we changed all the bulbs yeah, in the yeah, church. Yeah. Energy Didn't we? Yeah, committed to energy yeah. savings. Mm -hmm. LEDs. Mm -hmm. Movement to, so movement to LEDs and changes in the way your light bulbs are. They, they saved money, right? Hopefully they did. Mm -hmm. But they've not only saved money, but they've put less CO2 in the atmosphere. Less CO2 in the atmosphere means less effect on the climate. Because we know that that effect on the climate, it's going to hurt the least among us and the poor the most, right? And that's one thing I hopefully that you have talked about and you'll continue to talk about how the least among us suffer most. In all of these things, war, refugees, immigration, uh, poverty, racism, climate change, every one of those, the poor and the least among us suffer the most. I want to tell just give Karen a moment here because part of what I'm here even doing is, is telling about ways that we can all celebrate together uh, this work of caring for God's creation. And so do you want to share a little bit about um, 
this and what we've got for y'all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, with a pastor like Kevin, you can't not get involved. If you're a lay leader, you better get involved, right? Kicking and screaming. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what we're doing some of our congregation. But it, it started out for me when we did the Bible or the study. It wasn't a Bible study on the Green Church. And it made me see more about, I thought I was doing really good because I recycled and I did some composting, but... This really made me see what I was doing was a very small part of what I could be doing. And so that's what started us out. But then Kevin had this idea of going out and giving out the LED bulbs to our community, to all of our community. Mm -hmm. They were right around the church, and I didn't know how many families it was exactly. But we went out and did that. But what we also did, we took them in a little cart, and we pushed them around, kids, Adults, older adults, <laughs> all of us. And also we took vegetables that we had grown in our garden, and we took those out and took them to our community. And we were very well accepted. And it wasn't for getting people to come to church. That wasn't the idea. It was just that we wanted to show our community that we cared, that we were responsible, that we wanted to do a small part of helping to create Creation care, exactly. So with Kevin's help, I started with creation care. I became a member of that. And also we've got um, the um, Energy Savers Network that we're a part of. And we go around to homes and help people to uh, fix up their homes to make them more energy efficient and everything. And uh, when we were on our mission trip a couple, couple weeks ago, or a little bit longer than that, we did a lady's home, and we were doing all kinds of things to repair her home and make it safer for her. But this idea came to me, and it wasn't my idea. It came from God. I know that. And he says, why don't you see if we can put the light bulbs in Miss Peggy's house? Because that wasn't part of what we were supposed to do. So Kevin asked if we could do it, and they said yes. And so we were able to put those in her house, and we were able to show her how much heat she was saving on and you know in Wilmington North Carolina you need to save as much heat as you can especially in the summertime and uh, so we did that but also we're uh, in our medical equipment closet we're giving out those bulbs to people who come in there because a lot of those if they can't afford to buy medical equipment or their insurance won't pay for it they can't afford light bulbs either so we're doing that and uh, Anything else? No. <laughs> yeah. But we're also, we want you all to take a light bulb home with you mm -hmm. to show you what we're doing. And I think you had a slide, did you? Oh, that's what it is. This is where we were going out to the community and taking the, the bulbs and the vegetables. But also, we had a community gathering afterwards and invited all the community to come and use some of the vegetables too. But that's just part of it. Anything yeah. else? Thank you. So make sure you get some of the bulbs. Wow. Well, so, yeah. Do you garden at your church? Or? Yes. Uh 